0: The name of the game this time of year is survive and advance. We are down to 12 teams in our 11-man ranks, and the 8-man division is now down to its Elite 8. Mitch, it's getting exciting. A lot of great football matchups to cover tonight.
1: Yeah, one round down, uh, and we are on to the next one here. So a lot of great action that we had in the playoffs, as always, and a lot of great matchups here in round two several conference rematches, and even a rematch from a non-conference
0: game. So a lot to get into. It's gonna be fun. Let's do it. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now. Welcome back to View from the West podcast, the podcast covering Illinois high school football on the western side of the state of Illinois. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again, as always, by Mitch Stormer. And Mitch, the question we start with is, what's your Halloween costume for tonight?
1: Ooh, you see, I was going to ask you what your go-to Halloween candy is.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Well... Whether um,
1: whether it's whether it's something that you remember getting from the mean streets of Ottawa, <laughs> or something that you steal uh, from your kids, uh, I want to know what you grab for first.
0: Uh, this
1: may be a hot take, but in the world <laughs> of in the
0: world of Skittles, I want the purple bag of Skittles over oh, the, yeah. t- the over uh, the traditional berry. red.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right on that. Okay, good,
0: good. Um, I'm also I'm always going for Sour Patch Kids. Or uh, oh, you know what though? No, the Halloween candy. This is a thing I only eat around Halloween. Is those little boxes of Nerds? I never okay. find myself eating Nerds any other time of year. But if they come in those little boxes at Halloween time, I'm stealing those.
1: Okay. So I ask you then, what are you taking? What are you taking out of your kid's bag? Here's my favorite. My favorite okay. is 100 grand. See, yeah, um, and I, okay, yeah. It, it's kind of got everything, you know. It's got the chocolate, it's got the caramel, it's got the crunch. It, it's just got it all. It's. I'll admit
0: it's, that's an underrated candy bar.
1: Like it's not oh, one on the on my list that I'm going for, but. Yeah, it's the goat. Here's here's, hey. here's my hot take, and it it works because most of the kids don't like them, but I'll I'll eat them. Is either uh, Yorks, oh Mint's, yeah, or Junior Mints. So oh. those those are clutch. I mean, man,
0: but. Yeah, you see, you're losing me here. I'm not. I'm not going that mint chocolate route.
1: You're you're more of a a Worthers type of man, aren't you? <laughs> you're kind of, you get what? There. What? No, <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, tonight the candy
0: of choice is cough drops. So you know, right, so right, I can go. I can uh, you know survive and advance myself here in this podcast. But uh I Listen, you. I'm, I'm,
1: I'm with you though on on the wildberry skittles. Those yeah. are those
0: are good. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. I'm glad we agree on that. Do you have a Halloween costume?
1: No. And I don't even know what the kids are wearing tomorrow. I'm trying to think if I can think back to what I last wore for Halloween. Yeah. I have not been, yeah, I've not gotten dressed up
0: in several years, but I might have something that uh, the listeners, the local football fans might appreciate. That's a little tease maybe for, uh, for the Twitter, for the X tomorrow night. Maybe I'll have a little something to, you know, show off as a halloween
1: costume okay all right that's that's a tease for sure yeah it's a team that is still in the playoffs so you have a seneca fighting irish t-shirt no
0: no no i'm not no i'm not gonna wear
1: that (laughs) no no
0: no offense to you seneca fans listening but that's you know it's like it's like if mitch is wearing a fulton shirt it's just not gonna happen
1: well yeah (laughs) i got ground to stand on now yeah
0: (laughs) All right, so what was the go-to Halloween cod? Do you have a good one from back in the day? Uh
1: there I have um there there is an old school picture of me. I do not know how old I was. Um and it's uh it's it's either a McMahon or a, a Peyton jersey, but it's the full Bears setup. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, like early
0: early nineties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You used to be able to buy them. Like you'd get the plastic helmet and you'd get the, pants yeah. and the jersey and like, like plastic mini shoulder pads. Oh yeah. Definitely yeah. I wore,
0: it. I wore that helmet for years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't and think I, it was
0: up to safety protocol, but.
1: No, no. The <laughs> say would not be approving that. Uh, Riddell <laughs> would never supply one of those, but yeah, though that that's the one I I guess I remember. Cause I don't really remember m- many others.
0: That That's a good one though. That's a good one for sure. Well, Mitch, speaking of, you know, that uniform Halloween costume, you probably could have gotten that from, uh, you know, one of our great sponsors here.
1: Could have went to Kiwani for this one, Greg, because as always, tonight's episode is brought to our friend, brought to us, I guess, brought to you, our listeners, by our friends at Breedlove Sporting Goods, Western Illinois' premier sporting goods store for uniforms, apparel, equipment, awards, and online team stores. They provide all the same sporting goods services that the big nationwide companies do, but with a faster turnaround, and their uniform pricing is a fraction of the cost that you're probably used to. They offer name brands such as Adidas, Under Armour, and Nike, and are extremely responsive with any inquiries. With a primary focus on the western side of the state of Illinois, Breedlove Sporting Goods is the fastest way to outfit your team. Check them out on Facebook or at breedlovesports.com, or shoot CalBreedlove an email at calbreedlove at gmail.com for more information. Uh, I will actually
0: be reaching out to Breedloves because I have to order some baseball uniforms very quickly. So mm-hmm. that is on my on my to-do list this week. But um if you like what we're doing here, if you want to support the podcast like Breedloves does, you can go ahead and either sponsor us through your business or head out to PayPal and you can support us that way. Search PayPal.me slash view from West Again, PayPal.me slash view from West you can head out there. You can support what we're doing here, support local high school athletics. We love what we're doing. It's it's a passionate project for us, but you know, there are some costs that come along with it. And uh, we would love your support in any way you can.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of fun that we can have with it. There's a lot of unsponsored segments that we could create for the show, you know, whether it be we we already do player of the week, you know, we could do team of the week, we could do you know, we could support the big fellows with the alignment of the week. There's all sorts of things we can do. The opportunities are endless. So, yeah, if you're interested in, in covering high school football like we are and supporting a podcast, we'd be happy to help you out.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of that, we should give a shout-out to Matthewson's Mini Helmets. They supplied us with a customized Mini Helmet for our Player of the Week for all nine weeks of the regular season. They offer totally custom Mini Helmets and decals for your school. You can find them on Facebook or on Twitter. Really cool to see. We've seen them tweeted out, Mitch, the last couple of weeks of players who've gotten their helmets and, you know, they they seem to be into it. We're yeah. glad to have Matthews and Zmini Helmets here on board this season for the Player of the Week sponsorship. Well, Mitch, let's get into the games and some of those guys that won Player of the Week, we'll be talking about them today. Let's start with Class 1A and then move our way down the list and we'll get to eight Man at the end of the pod. But I should plug before we get into all these games tonight, we'll be talking about the matchups that we see in this round two. But if you want to hear about the first round, how it played out, what the brackets look like when it, you know, gets narrowed down to 16, head back over to our instant reacts podcast, you know, search back into our, uh, in our podcast archive feed, if you will. And uh, the instant reacts podcast from first round Mitch, we ended up going an hour and a half, just talking about round one and the reaction to it. So we covered a lot of stuff that night. And really, you know, kind of got into the, you know, the nitty gritty of the game results. So if you want to hear how they all played out, we'll talk a little bit about it here on this podcast for sure. But um, to get into all the details of round one, go back and search that out. So Mitch, here we go. By your count, we have 12 teams in our 11 man ranks left competing here. A couple of our local teams squaring off against each other. A couple of those in class 1A. So that's where we'll start. You found the records here. Did you look this up yourself? Did you do the math on our combined records no. for Class One A?
1: Oh, on the yes, I thought you were talking about the uh, the the force and the Lena stuff because I did oh. not look those up. Well, I'll get there in a second. Uh, yes, I did. I I compiled those earlier today, just looking at it because we knew, and we'll talk about Two A in a minute. We knew that Two A North, like the, the North record, is just ridiculous. So it got me wondering what One A looked like. And surprisingly, the South has less losses than the North does. I, that okay. has nothing to say about the quality of teams, not by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, one hundred and forty-three and seventeen is the the remaining teams' combined record. So a lot of quality football programs that have advanced here to the second round. Yeah, that that
0: is impressive. I, that that note about the North and South does surprise me a little bit, but certainly I think we it's know nine, it's nine to
1: eight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Certainly, we know the quality that's coming out of the north, you know, that should be that has traditionally been coming out of this north side of the bracket. Two of those teams that have been coming from that north side of the bracket, Forreston at Lena Winslow. That's a second round matchup here. It was a second round matchup last year as well, correct? No, it was so it no, last year, year. Last year it was a semifinal game. The year before that, I believe it was a second round game.
1: Yeah, that's right. Last year, it was a semifinal game. And the year before that, in 21, uh, it was, in fact, a second-round game. Yep. Okay, there we
0: go. I got it. There we go. So this year, a second-round game, number eight, Forreston, eight and two, goes on the road to number one, top-seeded Lena Winslow, who's 10 and 0. Saturday, 2 p.m. in Lena. Going through some of the numbers here, courtesy of Kyle Kampmeyer from nuicfootball.com. Ninth meeting in the playoffs. Lee win leads the series six to two. These teams have met seven times where that led the winner to being the eventual state champion. So Mm -hmm. the result of this game goes a long way in determining who wins class one. A this game is huge implications on the class one, a bracket. These teams just met in week nine gauge dunker rushed for 236 yards two touchdowns as the Panthers took care of the Cardinals in that one. So Mitch, I'll start with you where, you know, what do you think about this matchup? You know, it's a rematch where Lena Winslow controlled that first matchup and they've controlled most of the year. Whereas on the flip side, Forreston, you know, has not looked overly convincing in a lot of their wins. So, you know, where did, where do you, where do you go in this one? What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tale as old as time of these two teams meeting in the playoffs. We, we've seen, certainly we just said that Lena kind of leads the series six to two all time. And when they meet in the playoffs, but we've seen, and I tried to go back it, and it would have taken me way too long to do this. I tried to go back and look at who on the years that they met in the playoffs, who won the regular season matchup just to see what the, the disparity was. Um, they didn't get around to doing that. But anyway, Lee, Wynn hasn't shown any signs of weakness this year, um, Forreston's only sign is that they don't pull away from teams. I don't and I don't think that's all that bad of a quality because you're still winning games. It's just that I think I said this on the instant reacts. It's really hard to beat Lena at their own game.
0: Yep.
1: And I, I think that that fits Forreston's M.O. a little bit. They're going to run the ball. They're not going to pass very much, although it sounds like Lee wins a spread off offense team out. They passed twice in <laughs> round one. I don't like that. Do not like that at all. You were so um, deflated when you found out that stat over the weekend. It, it just ruined my Sunday. I was <laughs> having a great day and I saw that and just mm, hate that you were having um, a, you were having a great day. Cause the bears didn't play yet.
0: And then they played at night. And it, oh
1: no. See, see, that's, that's already expected. That's already okay. built into the day. Okay. I already yeah. know how that's going to go. Yeah. Um. But you know, looking at the game in week nine because that's all we can go off of right we can talk all about history all we want um and certainly anything can happen so at this very second we can only go off of what happened just two weeks ago and you know you had gage dunker who ran for 200 yards in the second half of that game you had uh corbin lynch had a big day big night i think he was over 100 yards so cobrin i want to make sure we get that right oh yeah i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry Um, yes um I just, I just think that you, if you're in certainly you have to start fast. Um You got to chew as much clock as you can. Certainly all game, you got to limit Lee wins opportunities because boy, they're <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds just so absurd to say, but more chances than not, Lee wins probably going to score on any possession that they have in any game. Right. I, I wonder what they're, Points per, points per possession are this year. um. So, you know, I, I'm going to look for, you know, Owen Mulder. I'm going to look for Nelson. I'm going to look for Saunders to, to really – they've got to share the load. They've got to be versatile in that offense. They've got to show something. They've got to have a wrinkle in there to get past Lee Wynn, an opponent that they're so familiar with. Um, Because, you know, Lee Wynn's going to be ready for it. They're not going to take anything – from week nine they're not going to think oh well we won what was it 36 to 8 yep they're not going to come into this week of prep and saying well we've got this in the bag it's it's never going to be like that so you know it's a brand new ball game um but forcing just has to play really sound defense they're gonna have to tackle they're really not going to have to i think that was part of their problem in that week nine game is they missed some tackles i know they had a call on the goal line that didn't go their way. I think they, they dove in for the touchdowns and refs called them shorter or something. I, I don't remember exactly what it happened. Yeah. But, um, you know, and again, I th- it might've been, I think it was, was it eight nothing at halftime? I think of that game. Ooh, I, I think don't,
0: it was. I, I think it was close. Yeah, I do. You're, I do remember it being close at halftime, but I don't know that I remember a score off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was only eight nothing at, at the break. Um, and then Lee Win just exploded in the second half. So again, don't let that happen, right? Don't let them get going. So um yeah, this is gonna be interesting because this game is always fun.
0: Yeah. I think for me when I look at it, and like you said, I I don't think it's necessarily like I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad thing that Forreston hasn't, you know, pulled away from teams or really like dominated a game. But I think when you're looking at a matchup with Lee Win, what I what I'm looking back for and what I wanted to see at some point was like that offensive explosion, just to know that like, okay, they can score enough to hang around with Lee win. You know what I mean? And I just, I haven't really seen that. And this is a huge opportunity, right? Like this is a huge opportunity for Forreston to really show us, show the state that they, you know, that they belong or they deserve it, be in this game this year. I think, like I said, we've kind of waited around for that offensive explosion. Boy, what an opportunity here to really prove mm-hmm. themselves. You can't get down too much early because, you know, running the ball as much as Forreston does, they're gonna, you're going to chew up too much clock. So, you know, it's just an interesting, um, you know, it's always an interesting matchup bec- between these two teams because there's not a lot of secrets, but at the same time, who right. can throw in a wrinkle or two? And if Forreston wants to win, like you said, there's gonna to have to be something that they do that we haven't seen yet, or that that you know that's not that's not been scouted yet,
1: right? Uh, the last Lena Winslow loss in total, they've won twenty, I think maybe thirty now straight games. Last lot, which is just ridiculous to say. Yeah. Last loss they had was in 2021 to who, Greg? That would be Foreston. That's right. In the right, in week, week nine, yep. correct?
0: It was in week yep. nine, and then yep. yeah, then they met in the second round a couple of weeks later and the role was and reversed was, and yep. Yep. So, so if you want to, if you want to yeah. follow trends, there you go. You know, the last time they met up in the second round, it was the reverse, you know, t-
1: there was Lee win winning. So. Right. Yeah. You, you never know. Um, like there's, it's gotta be a wrinkle. You know, Lena gave up the opening kickoff, maybe something like that, uh, a, something on a punt, either a blocked punt, botch snap, take advantage of something, you know, they're not going to turn the ball over a lot. So, um, the keys for force and really the keys for Lena are, are almost the same. <laughs> it's it's weird to say that they're still the same, but yeah, this will be fun. A, a classic rivalry, two really good teams, uh, conference foes playoff, very familiar with that in their matchups. So uh, at Lena at home and the winner goes on to the quarterfinals as one of those two teams seem to have the past six, seven years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of to wrap up the conversation on this one. I think obviously when you look around, when you ask anybody, I mean, it's hard, regardless of opponent, it's nearly impossible right now to pick against Lee Win, right? I mean, they've just been mm-hmm. so dominant the last few seasons and what they've been able to put together here. But I think if there's any team that knows what it takes, any program that's motivated right. to knock Lee Wynn off, man, it's this Forreston program. So what an opportunity they have here in front of them. You know, again, they wish it was in the semifinals. They wish it was farther down the road but here it is, you know, the, you play the p- opponent in front of you. They're certainly not going to be, you know, um, overwhelmed by, by the situation, you know, this is a conference mm-hmm. opponent. They know him very well. So it's one of those things where, you know, try to make the most of your opportunity for Lee win. I think it's just, you know, you try to do business as usual, you know, try to continue, you know, to do what you do best and, and, and see where things end up. So it's Either, it's going to be a great atmosphere. This is one of the best, you know, games in our area. One of the best games you'll find around the state. So uh, good luck to both teams. The winner of that one would go up against the winner of number five-seeded Morrison or number four-seeded Anawan Weathersfield in the quarterfinals. So let's jump into that matchup. The five-seed Morrison Mustangs, 9-1, and will go on the road to Anawan Weathersfield, also 9-1, and Saturday, 1 p.m. at Weathersfield Memorial. Mitch, we've talked about it. I love a Saturday at Weathersfield Memorial in November. It's mm-hmm. it is beautiful. Love that place, especially yep. if the you know sun is shining a little bit. You get one of those you know unseasonably. Yeah, it doesn't have to be warm, but I'm just saying the sun's out a lot, like it was at Morrison the other day. Right. And and speaking of Morrison, I encourage everyone to go out check out View from the West, uh, our page on YouTube. You can find the full highlights, the extended game highlights. And the post game reaction, Mitch, you know, a lot of times when you go to these games, especially come playoff time, I'm there for so long, gathering so many highlights and channel eight really only needs about a minute's worth of highlights. And that's what five, maybe six plays, usually about four or five plays, right? It's mm-hmm. so hard to whittle it down and to cut and condense. So I tell you, if you liked, if you want to see that game in its entirety, almost in its entirety, I pulled out the best of the best stuff. It's about eight or nine minutes worth of highlights plus all the post-game reactions. So again, head out to view from the West podcast on YouTube. You can find that game. You can find plenty of other games from this season and years past. You can find our podcast. You can find a lot of good stuff out there. So Mitch, let's get into this one. It's a rematch of the 2019 quarterfinal. Anna on Weathersfield won 20 to 13. They would fall to Lena Winslow in the semis that year. This is a matchup of, some really great athletes. You're talking Brady Anderson for Morrison and Zeb Rashid for Anawan Weathersfield. That could make for a lot of fireworks in this one.
1: Yeah. If there's two teams that are as similar to Forreston is to Lena Winslow. It's this matchup right here. The similarities between Anawan Weathersfield and Morrison are just about the same. Um, two, two really good teams that have a lot of strength, a lot of speed um, they're going to run the ball, but they've got quarterbacks who can, you know, take matters into their own hands if they need to really, really good defenses. So, you know, we, we were excited about a handful of matchups there in round one. Um, this one, I, I think is probably, sorry, as my phone beeps. Um, I'm probably most excited for this matchup again, not taking out any Morrison bias aside, just the way that these two teams match up on paper. And the way that they're going to match up on the field, it's it's a toss up game. I couldn't I couldn't tell you who's going to win. It won't surprise me if either one of them win, um, because and and even looking ahead, whoever of these four teams play in the quarterfinals, my goodness, those you're you're going to be hard pressed to find any four better teams in one A. I don't I don't think for my money.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is a really intriguing matchup. I I will say I love that when you see these you know, conference crossover games. So we cover the, you know, the LLC, we cover the three rivers and to see them cross up, you know, cross over here in the playoffs and see where, you know, where these teams sack up against each other. it, It makes for a lot of fun here. I think when I start looking, you know, at this game, I don't have, I don't have some, you know, hard and fast numbers in front of me, but for as much as I've seen Morrison this year and Mitch, you've watched him as well. Morrison doesn't really, sustain a lot of long drives on offense they really are Mm -hmm. as much as i've ever seen a team they're they're they lean on that explosive playmaking and they and they've had it a lot so i guess will those explosive plays continue and on the defensive side of the ball obviously for everybody that plays morrison it's can you be physical up front and somehow can you limit those big plays rock ridge did it really well in the game that they ended up winning And Fulton did it really well for about a quarter and maybe a little bit into the second quarter. And then that's when you had big play, interception, touchdown. And then you had another big play in the second half. It was a fake punt followed by Brady Anderson scoring again. So I think Mm -hmm. it it snowballed quickly, you know, for Morris or or against Fulton in that one. You know, what do you think about, you know, can Morrison, can Morrison get by a team if they don't have as many big plays or, you know, because they don't sustain a lot of drives, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's 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 hard to say because even thinking back to the Princeton win, they 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 did I, okay. Now that I am thinking about, it, they did have a couple of, of longer drives. Um, they were aided by a couple. They were aided by um, that that either it was on purpose or whether it worked out. The yep. fake punt, mm-hmm. you know that that led to their first or second touchdown. Um, you know they had that long pass play at the end which Deshaun McQueen was involved in both of those plays, by the way, to get them into field goal range. Um, I feel like they had a couple of drives in that game, but yeah, you're, you're right. They they're lightning, right? They're not, mm-hmm. they're not thunder. They're lightning. And that has worked out really, really well for them. Rockridge game aside. And that was a, a game between two really good teams. Two really, two really good, good defenses so that day. Yeah. Two really good defenses in sloppy conditions. Don't want to take, you know, a whole lot out of that. Cause I, you know, but I think, for, for me, for the keys for Morrison, I think you have to – certainly you have to match in on Weathersfield physicality. They're a strong team up front. They got a really good line. Just look at their offensive numbers and look at what they've been doing on defense, three straight games that they've allowed only six points. Yep. So you have, you have to match it. Um, I, I think what it would come down to me, if I had to pick one thing, is that you have to make someone on that team – other than Zeb Rashid beat you. Yeah. And I'm not saying that anyone with it, that I'm not saying that if they, if they shut down Rashid, that they'll win because Dylan Horry has been really good all year. He's proven that he could do that. What I mean is you have to force that hand. You have to make that the play. Um, if, if you let Rashid get loose, um, you you saw what he did against Mac, 245 and five touchdowns. So, you know, if you, if you could win that, and again, this is, true for every game of any team ever if you win that battle up front and you're able to slow that team down and that's a key for anyone withersfield as well that's who's going to win that game so uh, but for me again if i had to pick one thing take Rashid out of the game plan right don't you can't key on him because that could prone you you know open you up to other mistakes but, but make someone else other than him beat you
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball for Anquan Weathersfield, three straight games the Titan defense has only allowed six points, and the seventh time this year they've allowed six points or less. So, you know, fourth time in six weeks they've scored over forty points. So, defensively, offensively, they're they're really rolling along here. But this Morrison group has been battle tested as well. You know, um, they've. They've matched, you know, every opponent punch for punch. They fell a little bit short in that Rock Ridge game, who's now gone on to prove it to be a great program. They're on into the 2A um, second round. So, you know, they've proven themselves this year. So, you know, I think that this is a is a tough one. You know, this is a tough one to call. It's it's a great matchup.
1: Yeah, the other, the other thing for Morrison, too, is that I've noticed the last couple of weeks, and you were you were there, so you can maybe talk about it a little bit. They've started slow. They started slogan's Bureau Valley and then they started slogan's Fulton. You can't go down two scores to Anwan Weathersfield. You just can't do it. Um, certainly they turned it around against Fulton, but it it just makes it that much harder of a task in a second round playoff game playing from behind. So just they can't get off for, for as fast as they are, they can't get off on the wrong foot.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, I think there's also something to be said about you, you certainly you don't want to do that two weeks in a row, and you don't want to do it when you're on the road, right? And you feel like right. that momentum could really slip away from you. Whereas when they're at home, you know that crowd was still really rocking and rolling, and they were still matched. You know they were still keeping that intensity on the road. I don't know if you maintain that long enough to to make a comeback. You're right.
1: Right. And another thing, for, just for both teams, is I, I watched Dan Pearson's FCA video um, and highlights from the DMat game, and and you saw the versatility of Anon Withersfield offense. They do a lot of like just sweeps. Um, just a lot of confusion, a lot of you know, fast pace moving around. I was surprised from your video, like what Fulton was trying to do. They do a lot of fun stuff on offense. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of pitching the ball and this, that, and the other thing. And that's fine if it works, but Morson it didn't fool Morson after the first quarter. Not much. Um, nope. So again, my one of the keys that I thought of for for the Titans to win is to be to be versatile on that offense um, because from that highlights, I saw a lot of similar plays, right. And they were working. So why stop doing it? But can you be, do you have something in the bag that again, if Morrison is stopping Rashid if they're getting to Horry in, in the, in the backfield, do you have enough? Do you have that lightning ability that Morrison has to match that? So yeah, again, the two teams that match up really, really fun. This is a playoff game, Right. This is what you want to see. Regardless, we can talk about one through thirty-two, whatever. This is this is a playoff game. Um, going to be a lot of fun there at Weathersfield Memorial. One really good team is going to go home. One really good team is going to go on, and whoever it is, whether it be Morrison or Anawan Weathersfield, and look, I'm sorry to force it, I do think Lena's going to win that game. Either Morrison or Anawan Weathersfield versus Lena is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep, I agree. You said it. Yeah, the winner goes on to the quarterfinals. They'll play the winner of Lena Winslow and Forreston. It's, yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really good matchup there. One more game in class 1A to get to the number two seeded Stark County Rebels, 10-0 on the season, travel back to Rovo Williams Field for a rematch of a regular season game in which Stark County won 24-14. That game will yep. be on Saturday. Um, At Bill Adams Field, beautiful Bill Adams Field, small school football at its finest out there Saturday at two o'clock. Mitch, again, I'll default to you. Where, where do you go here? I mean, Annawan or uh, Stark County is coming off a good win over Princeville. Rova Williams field though, I think really took some headlines on that Saturday coming away with a win at Sterling Newman played really well, really like, I mean, for as good as we talked up Newman's defense, and we, you know, wanted to see this matchup versus Rova Williamsfield offense, they passed the test. The Cougars really passed the test in this one offensively.
1: Yeah, kind of a, a tale of two different games there in round one, right? Um, Rova Williamsfield got off to a, a fast start due to a Newman fumble, um, and Stark County was down two scores. So yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, certainly Stark County came back rather right. quickly, came back and, and took control of that game, but. When they when they met up in what did you say week six or whatever that was week I believe seven? it was week five or s- yeah
0: week five or six
1: that, it, that that game was tight all the way to the fourth i think Stark county kicked a field goal and yep. then i yep. believe it was matthew i believe it was it was either i think it was luke Re- luke rewards who scored him or matthew bowser uh who scored late and, and pushed it to 10 but close game uh early on so uh, again, you, you've got a Stark County team, an undefeated Stark County team who has a lot of weapons on, on offense. And they also play a really, really solid game on defense. I was surprised at how Rova Williamsfield was able to kind of neutralize Newman's defense. Certainly in the second half, um, Spencer Brown, big day, Riley Danner, big day, um, they're going to need a performance like that again to get over the hump with Stark County. They've just been so, Stark County has just been so solid all year. Um, again, with, with Luke Rewards running that attack with Bowser, with, with all of their players going up against a strong Cougar defense who played really, really good here and against, um, against Newman. But you just look at the weapons that Stark County has, if it's, if it's Chris Barnwell, if it's uh, Nolan, Nolan Orwig. Or, yeah. Um. So the, the, for, for the Cougars to win, their defense has to play like it did against Newman. And again, it might take winning the turnover battle. It might take taking advantage of field position where you can do it. And for Stark County, again, all those names that we just mentioned that you're going to have to run the same kind of, game plan you've had all season because it's obviously worked it's obviously a great great team that they have but the Cougars are going to be hungry there's no question about that trying to get revenge from that loss in the regular season
0: yeah for sure and what I think is interesting you know when you look at this Stark County offense is uh, you know head coach Jade Nord pointed it out to me when kind of looking back at their season in general and he said what he really likes about this team is that you know depending on the game there's some games that they you know, they pass really well and they do really effective in the passing game. There's some games where they're a running team and they're grounding you down on the, you know, getting it done on the ground. And there's other games where defensively they kind of lead the way. You know, he said they're very versatile on offense and defensively, they just find a way to get the job done. But my point, what I was going to get to is when you look back at that game against Rova Williamsfield in the regular season, they had. 328 rushing yards and three touchdowns and on the uh, passing side of the ball or for passing they only had 59 yards in five completions so you look at they really you know dominated or played really well I don't maybe dominated too strong because it was 24-14 final but they did really well they really established themselves on the ground in that game so depending on what you know coach Goldstrand and you know his staff look at for game film you know what do you look at in that game where they beat you but then what do you look at in other games where maybe they didn't they weren't so run heavy and they passed the ball more they're a versatile team so i think the star county team is harder to prepare for in that way you know you can't really plan on one thing or the other
1: right yeah to- totally agree um Yeah, this this will be a lot of fun. We've we've talked about two games already. Now we're talking about three, that I, I, you know, um, what am I trying to say here? Three super exciting games. Um, again, I I, six of the best teams in one A. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think. I don't know too much about Hope or or Aurora Christian, you know, because I'm trying to decide if I think that whoever wins this game is likely going to the semifinals hope's been really good I, so I don't know I haven't looked at those teams but um, they're certainly good enough to make it to the semifinals whoever wins this this game can will have a good shot at winning their quarterfinal matchup too
0: yeah and you kind of already said it you know before I did but I was talking about the versatility of Stark County's offense obviously we've seen that in Rovo Williamsfield too they have yeah. multiple playmakers you know quarterback running backs wide receivers so that's an interesting matchup it be in the fact that both teams, you know, can really kind of do some damage, you know, multiple ways. So it'll be interesting to see how the stat sheet plays out at the end of this one and see who comes away with it. Again, you talked about in the other game line play being so important. I think in this one, one of the other old cliches, win the turnover battle, I think in this game, it's huge. Which one of those versatile offenses can limit their mistakes or on the flip side, if you want to flip it on its head, which one of these defenses can be opportunistic and grab a couple turnovers. I think that'll go a long way. If you win the turnover battle, I think you win this game. I know that's cliche, but I think it's really right. important in this one. So like,
1: like you mentioned, here's the other. Yeah. Here, well, here's the other thing, right? We got some insider info this morning, Greg. We did. We, we did. Let's, we've got, yeah. We've got a birthday coming up here. So we need to, we need to send our, our best wishes to, uh, to a certain someone.
0: It's if you're listening to this, on Tuesday, when the episode comes out, I believe that head coach Grant Goldstrand's birthday was yesterday, was on Monday. Is that correct?
1: I think so. <laughs> According was, to the message. We're, we're, we're either wishing uh, Coach Goldstrand a happy birthday or a happy belated birthday, depending on when you listen to this show. <laughs> uh, either way, either
0: way, uh, it was his dad who sent the message and said that uh, on his way home from the hospital, he was listening to the IHSA playoff pairings. So there you go. Grant Goldstrand has been getting you know IHSA football talks since birth, literally. So, right. yep. <laughs> so he was. So happy he was birthday, born, coach. Yeah, happy birthday, coach. He was. He was born into this. He's you know he's been doing it you know his whole life. So yep. anyway, all right. Well, Mitch, we uh, we headed into Class
1: Two A. Yeah, uh, we can just kind of looking. Looking through just the rest of one A, we mentioned. I was going to say, do you want to
0: look at the bracket real quick here? Yeah,
1: just yeah, real quick. I, I, we mentioned the winner, of Stark County and Robo Williamsfield will move on to play the winner of Chicago Hope and Aurora Christian. Um, Head south, Camp Point Central plays a really good Calhoun team. That's a that'll be an interesting one nine matchup. The winner of that will most likely play Altough Catholic. I don't know much about Leroy, but we we know a lot about Altough. I would um, say I
0: would say it's going to be. Camp Point Central and Belleville altoff playing there, and I think that's that's for a shot to get to the state title game, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you got Cesar Valley playing Salt Fork, and then I think this one this one will be good. Greenfield Northwestern going up against Casey Westfield mm-hmm. in that three yep. six matchup in the South. So, as we mentioned at uh, the top of the when we started this one a talk, you know, record wise, um, South has three undefeated teams left, and. The, the, the cumulative win loss record is one win better but again um i think the talent in the north is better so but still good teams here in the south and uh we'll see who eventually moves on down there yeah for sure
0: all right well let's get into class 2a and mitch you found some interesting notes on uh class 2a yeah. and the uh kind of north and south divide here let's let's break it down record by record in the north and in the south
1: yeah if there's ever or any indicator why we need one through 32 look no further than your second round teams here in 2a the north their combined records 76 and 4 that's unbelievable there are four 10 and 0 teams left in the north the other four are nine and one yeah (laughs) in contrast yeah go go ahead go ahead i was gonna say in contrast the south is 60 and 20 with a five and five team that's quincy notre dame and three, seven, and three teams.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you you proved my point there. I think normally if you see that north half of the bracket and you say, man, that's great. All the best teams are winning. Like this will be the best, you know, the best possible playoff pairings. But then you look at what's happening in the south part and it's like, no, this should be one through 32. These teams who are 10-0 and and 9-1 and should be spread out and playing each other next round or in the semifinals. Like it's just... Mm -hmm. Uh, or in the state championship game, which we'll get. I hope we get a good state championship game out of all this. But, you know, it just it's hard to look at that. And it, and it's frustrating, I guess, is what I'm what I'm trying to say here. Well, regardless of the pairings, how they're sorted out, where they're located in the bracket. Let's just talk about the matchups that are in front of us. There'll be some good yep. games here. Number one, top seeded Seneca. goes on the road to Rock Ridge, 9-1, Saturday, 2 o'clock at Rock Ridge. Mitch, you did your homework on, uh, you know, these out-of-the-area schools for us, so give us the tail of the tape here on Seneca, the Fighting Irish.
1: Yeah, this is the the first team we've had to talk about that we haven't talked about yet. So, uh, yes, a a team that you're familiar with uh, from out there in the Chicagoland Prairie Conference. Uh, Coached by Terry Maxwell, this was their 16th appearance. Uh, they were the 1992 A champions. They did play in 3A last year, where they lost to Byron in the second round.
0: Uh, fun fact,
1: um, fun fact. Yeah, the, quarter, the quarterback
0: from the 1990 Class 2A state champions, Mark Aubrey, went on to teach me social studies in high school. So there you go.
1: Beautiful. Love that. <laughs> um, we've talked a lot about Seneca, right? They nine and oh or sorry, 10. and zero. Yep. Only played eight games. They got two forfeits this year. Um, they did play in the regular season. They did play five playoff teams. However, four of those teams lost in round one. Yep. One yes. of those teams was Dwight who played Seneca and it was a rematch from the regular season. Um, And again, we've we've talked a a lot about Seneca and their their quality of of opponents, and what kind of the level of competition has been in that comp. Because that's is that the first year for the Chicagoland Prayer, or did they play last year too? First year, yep, this first year, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's where Saint Bede went after they left the track. Yep. Um, they do they they started off strong. They had a week one win over Wilmington. Wilmington is still in the playoffs. They're nine and one. That was their only loss. They've proven that they can score. They've put up seventy points. Twice this year, uh, they one of those was against in Week Nine against Purdue St. Bede, where they racked up 546 yards of off or sorry, just of rushing yards. Um, there there's a lot of talent here, Greg. Um, really good line. Um, and certainly quickly a shout out to uh, Charlie Ellerbrock from the Times in Ottawa, Illinois, and Shaw Media for giving us some inside info here. Yep, um, their line. Really, really good, anchored by uh, Chris uh, – how would you pronounce that? Pereira? Pierre, yeah, yeah, that's as good as I would have guessed. Sure. Sorry, sorry, to Chris. Uh, <laughs> the Time's wrestler of the year, so you know that he's going to be a physical uh, physical body to move around for that Rockridge line. But they run the ball. Do they ever? Uh, yeah. Asher Hamby is, is their lead back. Um, they've got an interesting situation at quarterback, Greg, which I'll let you get into here. Yeah. Um, but again, it's a really, really talented offensive line that that allows whomever is back there to have a lot of success. They had 345 yards rushing in their round one win over Dwight. As mentioned, they they ran for 546 against Provo Saint Bede. So, um, Asher is their lead back. But Greg, fill me in on what's going on there at quarterback.
0: Yeah. So, like you said, they were they've been nine and zero regular season back to back seasons. Last year, their quarterback was Nathan Grant, who was named the times player of the year, you know, for their coverage area, had a great season, obviously led them, you know, last year to an undefeated record. He was the quarterback this year until week seven, he got hurt or got banged up. I don't know exactly what the injury is, but he has been moved to defense only. So in steps, Paxton Gertz at quarterback. I've seen him play basketball. He's a good basketball player for Seneca. And Seneca is usually a great basketball program, you know, year in and year out as well. So he steps in there. So, and he's been playing well. He might have, you know, according to Charlie Ellerbrock, maybe he's got a little stronger, a little bit stronger arm or more potential to throw the ball than Grant did. But obviously, the strong suit for Seneca is their rushing game. So, Right. You know, I don't know how much of a factor that is that would they go through the air with Gertz now back there, but either way between Nathan Grant and Paxton Gertz, two really athletic quarterbacks and, you know, certainly capable of getting the job done. So interesting mm-hmm. to follow and see kind of how that, how that plays out. If that affects them, any, you know, a quarterback change this late in the year, it seems like they've been doing just fine. So uh, right. we'll see, you know, obviously rock Ridge is a little bit tougher of
1: an opponent than what they have seen the past couple weeks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, to me, just, just listening to all that and, and reading about how their games have gone. It, it seems to me that they present a pretty similar look to what Westville did. What um, Westville had a really good rushing attack, a good quarterback who, who could run the ball too and could sling it. So I, I think this, this matches up really well for rock Ridge, just again, um, I, I think Rockridge is, is a great team and would match up with with them anyway, whoever they played in the first round. But because they played Westville, I think that prepares them even better. And we saw what Rockridge did to them. They, they disposed of Westville pretty, pretty handily, um, d- despite pulling away late, right? I mean, that doesn't yeah. really matter because it wasn't as close as even the score indicated then, I don't think. But, again, you've already seen it from Westville. Now you're going to see it again. Maybe a little bit more talent here in Seneca better line potentially. But again, it gives you that similar look. So they get them at home. I, I, you know, uh, love that for rock Ridge going to be a tough place to play a place. is going to be crazy. We know that. Um, But just, you know, you, you mentioned been really impressed with rock Ridge all season on both sides of the ball. Certainly in the round one game, you saw that defense was six turnovers Um, you saw an offense with a freshman quarterback and Colin schweigen lead a 99 yard drive in the first quarter so yeah the moment's not going to be too big for him the number one seed and undefeated team coming into town isn't going to be too big for rock ridge to overcome so you know really looking forward to this game too in two way
0: yeah i think what you're seeing is that rock ridge can sustain some drives on offense which you know we saw him do on that 99 yarder but they got some explosive playmakers as well between Schwagen, whether he goes to the air or on the ground, Zarlatanis has obviously proven to be a weapon. And, you know, you mentioned that this Westville or this, um, you know, game against Seneca is similar to Westville. Well, if you were looking for a tune-up then, I'd say that Rockridge passed last week with flying colors. Mm -hmm. When you come away with six turnovers, if they play that type of opportunistic defense, they're going to win this game too. I just, they're playing so well on both sides of the ball, if they continue to do that, I think this is another Rockridge winner. What's really interesting for me and what's hard to read is that I don't think the Prairie land, the Chicagoland Prairie is, it's not, it's not as strong of a conference as the three rivers is, but, but that being said, Seneca has that marquee matchup, that marquee win in week one over Wilmington. That's a legit win. I mean, any, right. any way you slice it, that's a legit win. So it is kind of hard to read here for me. Like, I I would say that Seneca has got to prove it to me, but they they just have gonna, they was, did in week I was, one.
1: I was just gonna say that, but okay, they didn't week one. Yeah. Then what? When I was know the last you're right. Time? Yeah. When, when was the last time? And if you talk about week one. I'm not taking a whole lot of stock in Rock Ridge losing week one. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um. You know, they, they played teams with winning records. They, they beat Ridgewood. They beat Ottawa Marquette. I guess technically Dwight and Prue St. Beat had winning records. But I that was – again, it's a great win. Beating yep. Wilmington is a great win. I don't know who they've played to that quality or to Rock Ridge's quality since then. Yeah, I, I wonder if that is going to pose a problem.
0: Now, I, you know, sometimes it's hard to read, you know, games in isolation, but that's, the, you know, that's what we, what we do here when we look back and try to right. find some, you know, common, you know, th- storyline. When I look at the game that stands out to me is Seneca beat Marquette 28-6. Now, Marquette was a playoff team. They made it in at 7-2. and two. They got beat by Forreston in the first round. That game was 28-6, but at half, I think it was only 14-6. So Marquette hung around with them for a half and into the third mm-hmm. quarter before Seneca had a couple of touchdowns in my opinion i i think rock ridge would be a very big challenge for marquette to try to compete against but oh, when yeah. you look at the yeah you know what i mean but then when you look at this game the way it played out against seneca seneca and now it was at marquette it was it was a rivalry game but either way the result on the field i thought seneca would win that game bigger and they didn't And when I start looking at how rock Ridge would match up against that Marquette team, I think they'd win. You know, I think they'd win comfortably. So, Mm -hmm. you know, take that for what you will. And I apologize to my, you know, my Marquette loyal fans that are listening, but that, that, that's kind of the way I feel about that one.
1: Yeah. It just, I don't know. It kind of feels similar to me to rock Ridge coming in last year to playing Bloomington central Catholic. Right. And we knew that they were good. We had questions about who they played. Rock Rockridge ends up winning. So are we in sort of that same situation maybe, but I think you said it best that Seneca has to prove it to me that they are truly a number 1 seed, truly certainly of course they're 10 and 0, but are they 10 and 0? You know what I mean? Yep. So um is is their 10 and 0 record better than Rockridge's 9 and 1 record? I don't think so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. So the winner of this one, Rockridge and Seneca, would advance to the quarterfinals to play number four seed Tri-Valley or number five seed Wilmington, who we just referenced. So um that's how the bracket shapes out there. Um we'll was talk it, a little bit. Go
1: ahead. Was it Rockridge that played Tri Valley a couple years ago? And yes, I believe so. It, it was like 49 to 48 or something. Yeah, it was kind of a wild. Was it in the first round? It was in the first round. Let me see. I'm gonna see if I can find it now. I don't oh. remember if it was it wasn't last year because they beat, I think it was two years ago, I think it was 2021.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Sounds uh, right.
1: Scrolling, 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 trying to look. Yes. Tri-Valley 47, Rockridge 42. It went back and forth um, that entire game uh, before Tri-Valley pulled out. And then Tri-Valley went to the semifinals that year.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. They made a big run. They were a good team. And I believe was Rockridge five and four that year.
1: Yeah, that was... Uh, and they put up a great effort. effort. That was, yeah, that was like a 2-15 and 15 yep. matchup, yep. I think. Uh, it was, exactly. Look at me. Uh, that was a 2-15 matchup. There you go. That's why you're paid the big bucks. That's right.
0: <laughs> All right, well, a few other matchups to talk about here in the northern side of the bracket in Class 2A. Farmington, the number 16, they... Will match up. They'll go on the road to the number three seed, Bloomington Central Catholic, who's undefeated. Saturday, one o'clock. Give us the rundown on the Saints of Bloomington Central Catholic, a team we're kind of familiar with. We talked them up in the you know the playoff previews, and we talked about them last year. They played two of our local teams.
1: Yeah, uh, so we've we've seen them in the past, and we we talked about them a lot during the season, just not knowing what class they would fall into. So sitting here, the three seed in two A, uh, the Saints out of the Illinois Prairie. Um, coached by Kevin Brock, I think. That sounds Um, right. Sure. 32nd appearance in the IHSA playoffs. Uh, As mentioned, they lost to Rock Ridge last year in round two. They are a four-time state champion in four different classes, one, two, three, and four. Uh, Round one, they defeated Unity Payson pretty easily, 47 to nothing. This team averages 42 points a game. Their defense has held opponents to seven points or less six times. Uh, One of the better defenses that we've talked about, they only allowed 79 points all year. And again, we can get into that conversation about who have they played um, and what that level of competition is like. I'm just going to pull this up while we're talking about it. I think this team is better. Yeah. I think this team is better than last year's team for sure.
0: Okay. Here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. This, this year's team is better than last year's team, but I think they played a tougher schedule last year than they did this year. I think their conference, I think their conference is down a little bit compared to what it was a year ago.
1: Okay. And that's fair. Um, You know, they, they have good wins over good programs in Tolono unity and and St. Joe Ogden. Um, They won in week nine over Prairie central who they won, who won their first round game this, this past week. So yeah, I, I agree with you when you, when you say that for sure. Um, I watched some tape on these guys. Their quarterback, Colin Hayes, is like six six. He's enormous. Wow. Um, yeah. It, it, he runs like I th- I think giraffes are fast when they get going. Is that right? Um, could could be. For the sake of you know us not knowing anything about zoo animals, let's just say giraffes are fast. I feel he like looks. I feel like whenever we say
0: something like we we have a question like that, we always say that either one, Kyle Campmeyer will know, or two, Ty Taylor will know. <laughs>
1: So if yeah, one of our, those
0: could send us a text and let us know yeah. the answer,
1: that'd be great. Who's, yeah. Who's our zoo guy. Let us know. <laughs> um, but he certainly stands tall above the rest, but he moves so well for a big guy and he's got those long strides. He takes up chunks of yards at a time, but he can also sling it really well. Uh, they got a sophomore running back, Caden Lee, a strong kid, really quick. They'll, they'll run him out of wildcat at times just to give different looks. So, um, kind of who we, like we talked about with um, uh, Seneca, their line is really good. Multiple guys with with college offers across different levels of play. So, you know, again, we talked about, maybe we have questions on their level of competition, but three of the five teams that they, sorry, they played five teams in the regular season that went to the playoffs, three of them won their round one games. So, you know, this, this is a, this is a, a tough matchup for Farmington just because, I think they're good, but I've been really, really impressed with Farmington uh, all, all year. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Farmington, what they have coming into
0: this one. You know, it's, it's the names that, uh, you know, the names that we'll need, you know, that they'll need that we expect to see Jack yep. and Lane Wheelwright and uh, Logan Ut. Yep. Logan. Oh, I got it. You didn't have the first name written down. I had to really think about it there, but I got yeah, it. There a you go. <laughs> all right. And, and uh, you know, when you're talking about you know impact players, how about Carter Lambin? If he continues to block punts or uh, extra points or kicks, that goes a long way too. So another I impact think, player it, there. That
1: yeah, I think he had three blocked punts I think this year. So and in the span of like yeah, a week so or two weeks, right? I think it was two weeks. Yeah, he had two yeah. in one game and then he had another one. So yeah. Um, okay, let me let me let me go back because we talked yep. about this on the instant reacts. I don't know if you ever saw it. I did. did. I, did. I already game? know. I already okay. know where you're getting into. Yeah. Let's get into it. Yep. Okay. You saw you saw it from the end zone, right? I did. Okay. That's the, that's the angle that, that coach Ballas had sent us, but um, what he had sent me was a little bit choppy. So the, the one that we saw, and I don't remember whose Twitter account that is Michael something. It's a little bit clearer. Yep. Um, and boy, I don't know. It, it does look to me that his foot might've been out of bounds. It looks like he may have been juggling it. It also looks like he caught it. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. In the, in the moment I I have no, you know, the the referees have a very, very incredibly tough job week in and week out in, in a field where a lot of people aren't stepping up to be refs. He was right there. I mean, feet away from this play. He was in perfect position. And I do not fault him for making a judgment call because even when you slow it down and you look at it from our perspective, from a video, you're still like, I don't know. He was right there in the thick of it as it happened and and made what refs do, they make a judgment call. It was close enough to, to see that, but boy, was that close. Yeah, it was close.
0: And I, I don't know. Ex- I watched it several times this morning. I don't know exactly how to describe what I'm trying to say, but he does. He does. I believe end up catching the ball. Like the ball doesn't drop on the turf or anything like that. Right. And also, you do see a screen grab of the one foot inbounds, and it appears that it's in right. his hand. It's really close. It's hard to tell exactly where it's at, but it's near his hand. What my question to you is mentioned. Help me describe it when it all kind of comes together when the ball and his foot and you know, it all happens at the same time, there's like a weird body movement, right? Where it's, it's hard to tell what his feet do and what foot Mm -hmm. hits the ground. And when I don't know how to describe it, but sure. I see the screen grab of his one foot down, but I can't tell if he's caught the ball yet. And then once he does catch the ball, it's like his feet kind of crisscross each other and I can't see where his feet go. So it, it is really hard to tell even watching the video. And I, I understand, you know, on the, you know, Bismarck Henning side of things, they're adamant at what they see as a touchdown. And I, I don't Mm -hmm. fault them. It's, it's a really emotional, it's a high, you know, high situation or a um, high leverage situation Mm -hmm. and a lot's on the line clearly. And you clearly are invested in these kids and you put in so much effort. You want to see that touchdown be called correctly and they don't feel like it was, but man, it is really hard to call. Um, Yeah, I guess if you if
1: you if if you if you watch it at at full speed, you wouldn't be able to tell like what happened. You you have to you have to slow it down, and yeah, you would come to the same conclusion that you just said. Like he's got it, but where's his lead foot? Is his back foot down? If you if you saw in real time and in in full speed like the ref did, you would never be able to know for sure how it happened. It was, it was that close. It would be one that if it was the NFL, they would look at it for minutes <laughs> yeah. trying to, to you know, yeah. determine if he had possession. So crazy, crazy ending, just uh, crazy. Well, and as we always, as you always
0: talk about, you know, when you watch those NFL or college games, was it enough evidence to overturn it? Cause it would have been called right. no good on the field. So you got to have yeah. enough indisputable
1: evidence to overturn it. Right. Um, just moving away from that play, but kind of also including it defensively Farmington, you know, they played great, but you don't want to be allowing that sort of completion to happen either. Right. Yeah. Um, They did step up because the Farmington offense had three turnovers in that round one win. And they got that turnover late against, uh, or they caused that turnover against BHRA to get the ball back and get in a position to win. So, clean you got to clean up a little stuff like that on the defensive end certainly got to clean it up on the offensive end you can't turn the ball over to, to Bloomington Central you just cannot do it um but as you mentioned all the names that we've talked about the wheel rights but uh, all those guys everyone on the defense got to play well if you're going to beat a team that is talent rich as BCC is
0: yeah I think when you look at the way that Farmington's schedules played out I mean, you had, you know, a de facto conference championship game against Knoxville. They passed that test. You have this yep. tough matchup that came literally down to the wire in the play. We just talked about against Bismarck Henning and they passed that test. So now you've really kind of built yourself up, right? Like each week, these last two weeks, it's a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum. Ride that wave. If You're Farmington, you know, ride that wave. And I think that that, that goes a long way. I mean, they've really been battle tested. I don't think that a tight game will be too much for them, right? The situation, mm-hmm. the, the the nerves and all that should be gone now because you've been playing some really tight games in you know, the last two weeks against some good teams. So, yep. Yep, I all right. agree.
1: So, yep. So this would be a good game. Um, looking ahead, the winner would move on to the quarterfinals to face the winner of the two-seed, Murrow Forsyth, and the seven-seed, Moments, which I can tell you right now, is going to be Murrow Forsyth. <laughs> You can see into the future, and you're already seeing.
0: Well, Mitch, let's break down uh, the rest of the bracket. Then in Class One A, or in, uh, sorry, in Class Two A here.
1: Yeah. Um, again, we we talked about how good Two A North is by record yep. um, and by by talent. So, and I, I suppose we mentioned all these games. So Seneca Rock Ridge winner goes on to play Tri Valley in Wilmington, and then you've got Merle Forsyth. We just mentioned it against Moments. They will play the winner of that Farmington. Bloomington Central Catholic. So going to the South, where the records are not as good, you've got the upstart <laughs> Quincy Notre Dame team. Um, yep. Went off their upset win over Arthur Lovington. They played Nashville, a team no no stranger to uh, long playoff runs. That game is in Quincy, so uh, good for Quincy to, to host a playoff game for back-to-back weeks, just in yeah. different schools. You've got a good team in Athens, the four seed, going up against Redbud. You have Shelbyville at nine and one in the two seed against Vandalia, who upset Lawrenceville, and then the uh, bottom the bottom game, the three versus the eleven, is Johnson City against a team that you've uh, you've been interested in in Breeze Modern Day.
0: Yeah, so that um, you know Breeze Modern Day got the win forty to twenty two over Carmi White County. That Johnson City team is uh, sitting in nine and one. They were a great team last year as well. So that's an interesting matchup. Shelbyville has been talked about a lot. They've been ranked throughout the season. They're sitting at nine and one with that matchup against Vandalia. I really, I look at, I mean, I guess I think the Quincy Notre Dame can advance, but again, Nashville has been a good program year in and year out. So I don't know that that one's an automatic win, but I do they, like, I do like Q and schedule. I like what they've done this year.
1: Yeah. So looking at Nashville, um, Lost to Carterville, lost to Benton, who was five and four, and then they lost to Decoyne. But then they they upset Shelbyville there in week nine. Okay, yeah, Shelbyville's only lost. So um, again, I I too like what Quincy has been doing. Record record aside, and it's an interesting game to say the least. If they can, and we we haven't scouted Quincy Notre Dame. I don't I don't even know any of their players, truthfully, but. Um, we did say, I, I will say at the beginning of this season, we said, know we did. Would be a we to keep an eye on and, uh, it didn't look that way for the longest time, but here they are, uh, staring the quarterfinals.
0: No, uh, I feel bad. I feel bad. Cause after that game against Quincy in week one, we said, you know, Mitch, we cover the Quincy blue devils, but because, you know, Quincy Notre Dame is not in a conference and they're not, you know, playing any teams from our area. We don't really follow them, but we said we were going to right. adopt them and cover them. But you know that was we kind of lost sight of them throughout the season because their record
1: wasn't where we thought it might be. If if they if they beat Nashville, we're going to deep dive Quincy Notre Dame. We're All gonna right, get, that's we're gonna that's fair. To, we're going to talk to Shuck. We're going to talk to Shuck, but we're going to deep dive the Irish. I like it. That that's fair. All right. I'm, think, assuming, I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming they're the Irish Raiders. Uh, no, they're no, not. They're the they're they're, I know. They're I was going to say that <laughs> when uh, you said that, I was scene. like,
0: wait a minute, that's wrong.
1: Uh, see, so we do need to deep dive it then. We do yeah, need we, this. We owe, we owe Q and do a favor. So get this win against Nashville and uh, we'll, we'll give you the credit that you deserve.
0: Yep. Other team to watch for there, Athens. Um, you know, that's a team that is always in the mix in the Southern half of the bracket. I think if they get by Red Bud and they're sitting there waiting for Quincy or Nashville, that's going to be a great matchup that could determine who ends up going, you know, to Hancock Stadium for a state championship game. So, mm-hmm all right does that wrap up class 2a that's all we got all right let's take a quick break thanks some sponsors and we'll be right back and get into 3a and the rest of the teams uh the big schools we got left brink sportswear offers totally custom made to order football uniforms that allow coaches and athletic directors to take control of their brands the uniforms are available in sublimated and tackle twill they offer free digital mock-ups free shipping on team orders and free physical samples before you buy so you know exactly how you're spending your program's money. Uniform sets start at $99 for Sublimated and $120 for Tackle Twill. You can find them on Twitter or go to BrinkSportswear.com. View from the West podcast is also sponsored by the Cupcake Cartel, gourmet cupcakes that are made to order. Over 40 flavors, including wedding cake, Lemon Blueberry, Strawberry Milkshake, Snickerdoodle, and Oreo. Perfect for weddings, birthdays, showers, fundraisers, or any event. You can find the Cupcake Cartel on Facebook. We thank them for their support. The Quad City's first and only fantasy football show, for fantasy sake, has you all covered when it comes to all of your fantasy football needs. The guys come to you live every Sunday morning during the football season from 10 to 1130. They've got the best analysis, rankings, DFS, and gambling advice between The Rock and Mississippi Rivers. So tune into For Fantasy's Sake every Sunday during the football season from 10 to 11.30 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube. Welcome back to View from the West podcast. We're going to get into Class 3A now, a couple games in the 3A bracket. Then we'll move into 5A with Sterling and 7A with Quincy. So our Western Big Six teams, we still got alive in the playoffs. Well, let's get into 3A first. Dupec, the Rivermen, eight and two, the number five seed, go on the road to number thirteen seed Stillman Valley, who's sitting at six and four. This game will be Saturday, one o'clock. Chances of rain on Saturday. Mitch, your uh, your weather forecast that you included here could be a little rainy, overcast in uh, Stillman Valley. My Rivermen aren't
1: afraid of water, Greg.
0: They,
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter That's at all.
0: The- that's the info you need out of the pod. Rivermen aren't right. afraid of water. All right. Well, we're is, familiar. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. What? What is a riverman? Is it? Because I, I mean, I would. I would the, assume it's the. It's a man of the river.
1: Well, is there any sort of special distinction there? You've got the Peoria Rivermen uh, hockey team. That's a good point. Um, and that was sport? always
0: like. I think their logo was always like a like a boat captain,
1: right? Like, all right. If I'm sitting on a pontoon boat, right. Am I a riverman? I don't think so. There's gotta be something. That no, I think, that distinction.
0: I think to be defined as a riverman, a river man, I think you have to like be doing work on the river. Like you have to be like, you know,
1: doing some- <laughs> pass. <laughs> a river, a river man is a person who lives or works on or along a river. Oh, I nailed it. See,
0: there's gotta be some physical, you know, activity component to it. You gotta be getting work done, like sweating not interested okay <laughs> not yeah. at all so yeah the <laughs> pontoon boat is more your speed then still holds to. true that they would not be afraid of water correct all right well the stillman valley cardinals we are familiar with what cardinals are we are fairly familiar with stillman valley they they come to right. our area quite a bit out of the big northern conference mitch give me the tail of the tape on the stillman valley
1: yeah uh you know if we've talked about kind of pillars of Illinois high school football before and what teams would kind of make up those pillars. Stillman Valley is certainly one of them, one of the most, uh, historically one of the best programs. They're a five-time state champion, all under coach Mike Lelore here, still at the helm. This is their 30th appearance, fifth consecutive. Cardinals coming out of the Big Northern. Uh, They beat Chicago Noble Johnson, Greg, only by a point. which
0: That was a really – of all the scores that stood out to me Pat this past weekend, that was one for sure, right at the top of the and list. That, like
1: and they they were up 21 14. Um, Noble Johnson scored, I think, with like seven minutes to go, and they went for two. And I think Stoma Valley intercepted it or something and knocked wow. it out, whatever. So yeah, you know, it was it was close, which look, we don't need to get into that right now. Anyone who's listening to this show knows our feelings about teams that come out of the CPL. But let's see. We, we, we got a little bit more of that talk coming down the road, but that's coming up later in the podcast. Right. Let's look at something different here. These two teams have a common opponent in Oregon, which there you D-Pick go. Throttled in round one, 34 0. Stillman Valley lost to Oregon in like week five or week six, somewhere in the middle, 28 to 7. So I look at that and I, I see a Stillman Valley team that is getting these wins, scrappy wins, but they're getting them against not even winning teams. They're, they're, they're scrapping to win against teams with losing records. So, you know, uh, uh, look, I, I don't want to, we don't make a lot of predictions here. Yeah. I eat crow a lot, right? I, I, and I don't want to jinx anything. I think Dupec's going to take care of business pretty handily here. I don't think Stillman Valley does anything on offense that Dupac does not see every single week. Um, for for the Cardinals, uh, Braden Rogers and Brock Needs are their backs. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Reff, Ryan Ruff is their, is their quarterback. But uh, again, and we've, we've talked about the big Northern too, how we really just haven't been too impressed with them outside of Byron. So I, I think this plays really well for Dupec. I think this is a good matchup for them. They were really balanced in that, that round one win against Oregon, 178 yards passing, 174 yards rushing. I think if they do that again, they'll be walking into the quarterfinals.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you look at that common opponent, that that is a huge differentiator for us, you know? Like the way that Oregon or the way that um, Dupec was able to get the win over Oregon and the way that, you know, Oregon got the win – against Stillman Valley, I think there's a huge mm-hmm. separator there. So, yeah, if Dupec can show up and be the team that we expect week in and week out from the team we've seen with, uh, you know, Cooper Hoffman and, yep. um, you know, is it Connor Hughes? Jalen yeah. Yep, Jalen Noud. Yeah. I think if you get all, that uh, type. All, get all that, first
1: team in UIC. And all in, in UIC picks, by the way.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That list just came out, and very deservedly so. If this team yep. does what they do best, you know, if they are able to really spread the ball out on offense and really, you know, just get, you know, make plays happen on offense and slow you down on defense, yeah, and, I think they can come away with a win here.
1: And I look back too, just speaking of rain, I look back at that forest in game, right, where just you, you play physical up front and you're going to stop a running team from trying to do or from doing what they're trying to do. Um, and even in that rain, it didn't stop Dupec from trying to throw. So again, all the elements, the opponent really match up in Dupex favor in this game. So if they go out there and, and play their game, they're going to take care of business and, and move on.
0: Yeah. Well, if they take care of business in that one, that would be their second win over a big Northern team. That would match them up potentially with, with a third Byron. Yeah, yeah, with, not, even, not even potential.
1: Okay. I mean, it's going to be Byron.
0: <laughs> okay. There you um, go. So Byron, the number one seed. We'll play Piatone, the number nine seed in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I I all but expect, or I guess I do expect Byron to be there. I all but am confident they will be. Um, Is that a phrase? I'm all but confident?
1: No, I would be. I Uh, am confident. You are confident. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I am confident. Uh, Let me see. Byron scored 609 points in the regular season and then 72 more in round one. So, yeah,
0: yeah. So they are rolling along, but, um, you know, it's what we talked about at the beginning of the playoffs, you know, in the, in the playoff preview show, we thought Dupec had a good draw here. And we thought that if things, you know, shook out that they would have a chance against Byron and, you know, that have that opportunity, they're one win away, you know, in a game against mm-hmm. Stillman Valley, like we said, if they do what they do best, if they get, get the job done. There should be a matchup with Byron waiting for them. And that's exciting. That's, that's great stuff. It would be, I believe the first time that Byron or that um, Dupac has made it to the state quarterfinals, as, you know, as their, as their co-op. So, okay. you know, the chance for yeah. big things here for Dupec. good luck to the Rivermen. the Rivermen,
1: Mitch, the men of river.
0: <laughs> That's right. All right. Another game in the Northern half of the three, a bracket, number two, Princeton, the nines, the nine and one number two seed going on the road to Monmouth Roseville, the 10 seed, six and four, Saturday 5 p.m. at Monmouth Roseville they like to play that late afternoon game they've done that several times over the years at Monmouth Roseville so that uh, late afternoon five o'clock time slot a rematch of way back in week one Princeton Mm -hmm. got the 40 to nothing win that was Casey's Etheridge breakout game he was our Matthews mini helmets player of the week way back in week one our first one 215 yards and four touchdowns in that one but Mitch, it seems like this is a different Titans team. This is a Titans oh, team yeah. that has continued to improve.
1: Yes, you are right. That they are they are so much better than they played in that week one game. If you just look at the last three weeks, they've scored 39 points per game. If you look at what they did in round one against North Boone, it was that try attack. Tyler Finnicum had 158 yards and three scores. Their quarterback. Andy Myers had 122 yards on the ground and a score Peyton Thompson, who's normally their lead back only had 43 yards, but it had a touchdown. So just a a total team effort there. And then that win where they were never really challenged against North Boone. So with, with that attack, those three guys and and all their other backs, they set a school record this year, Greg, uh, 2,730 rushing yards this year. It was Peyton Thompson who has paced that effort. He's just under a thousand for the season as is Tyler Finnicum. Andy Myers has a thousand all-purpose yards with his rushing and throwing. So all guys over eleven touchdowns on the gear. So yeah, this is a team that is playing so much better on both sides of the ball since that Week One uh, game. I I don't I'm not going to say that Princeton isn't playing as good as they did that that Week One game, but you know they lost that that very next week. But this is again a very very different Monmouth Roseville team that's going to be hosting this game here.
0: Yeah. I think one of the big questions, you know, right away from me is you've talked about how, you know, Monmouth Roseville is getting more and more physical every week. Right. So it starts up front the way they're able to really, you know, play a physical hard brand of football. Can they do that? Can they, can they match physicality with Princeton? If they can, if they go toe to toe with them, I think that's a huge, you know, a huge step in the right direction. If they want to pull off an upset, you know, with, with this Princeton tiger team. For Princeton, right. it's the name, It's the names we know. It's Casey, Casey Etheridge, which we already referenced, um, Ace Christensen, um, Preston Arkles, mm-hmm. combined for 256 yards. So that's Etheridge, Christensen, and Arkles combined for 256 yards. In that round one win, you had Will Lott was seven for 10, 105 yards and a touchdown in that convincing win over Paxton Buckley Lota. The offense has been great. Mitch, the defense also continues to stand out eight games this season, allowing seven points or less, including four straight. So, and, and I mean, I talked about the offense, but 49 points per game in the last four weeks. So they're getting the job done on both sides of
1: the ball. Well, and that, that late score from, from PBL in that game snapped a, a three game shutout streak. could have been four. So, you're talking about it. What could have been 49 points per game and zero points allowed for four weeks. So um, yeah, it's, they've been playing so well on both sides of the ball. i watched the first half of that game and it was over. I mean, it was over in the first quarter really, but you know, they can hit you from so many different ways. If, if the running game is getting stuffed, will Lot's been really good getting it to, to Nola port and the other receivers. So yeah, it's, it's a good Princeton team. There's no way around it. And, you know, this is a team that's looking to go to their fourth consecutive trip to the three A quarterfinals. So I, I think you, you said it best. You you're gonna have to slow them down a little bit. You're gonna have to do what Morrison did, right? Because that's the only blemish that Princeton has, matching that physicality up front to slow them down any way that you can.
0: Yeah. I mean, I look back at that Kiwani game, and Kiwani was able to match up with them really well in that first half. And when The Boilermaker defense was really keying on Etheridge and kind of slowing him down. It was Will Lott who found Noah Laporte for a touchdown. And then in the second half, it was Ace Christensen who literally Mm -hmm. ran away, you know, ran away with things and had two big breakaway runs to really set Princeton up to win that ballgame. So that's the thing. It's easier said than done. Even if you say, you know, I want to stop Etheridge or I want to make Laporte, I want to make Will Lott make plays. He's got the weapons to do it. He can go to Laporte, yep. and Christensen can also take over. And Arkles is a guy we haven't called out a whole lot, and he
1: was making plays for him in the first round. Yeah, so- he he's been kind of their blocking back, but you give him the ball, and he's I mean he's he's a Princeton running back, right? Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. know how to do a lot of things well. Yep. So it's just uh, when his name is is called, he's ready to roll. So Princeton's looking for their fourth consecutive
0: trip to the three A quarterfinals. Monmouth Roseville. You know, on the flip side, this would be, you know, a huge win for their program. If they could come away with this, with this upset win, especially when you consider what happened, you know, in, in the first week of the season to try to avenge that loss either way, intriguing matchup, intriguing rematch of three rivers, you know, opponents here. The winner of this one would go on to meet the 14 seed Prairie central or the six seed Lombard Montini in the quarterfinals. Mitch, you've made some bold predictions. Are you going to go out and say this one too. Who's going to be there?
1: Again, I hate I hate predicting, especially when it's it's teams against us. I just I No, I'm not saying predict I'm not saying oh, predict Princeton and Monmouth
0: Roseville. I'm oh, saying in oh, their potential yeah, winner,
1: you've, Yeah, <laughs> long, well, yeah, it'll be Lombard Montini.
0: I was gonna say I didn't think you were gonna hesitate at that one. Yeah. No, I yeah, I would
1: expect no, I, that it'll probably be Montini waiting for one of these teams. Well, let's okay, let's look at it this way. If you have if you have Byron, uh Dupec, who I think will be there uh Lombard Martini and then either Princeton or Monmouth Roseville that's a quality lineup of three of a north quarterfinalists.
0: yeah it's great it, absolutely and it, it's yeah it would be fun
1: for us because we'd have you know two local and teams and I, th- I think a state champion would be in that I think the state champion is in the north I'm not yeah. going to say who it would be um but I think the 3A champ resides in the North as it typically has. Yep. I would say based on what's
0: left, I would agree. So Mitch, speaking of that, speaking of what's left, let's go through the uh, Southern half of the bracket here. You want to read through, do you have the bracket pulled up?
1: Yep. So good matchups here, not not to take away from the teams that are in 3A. So you got De- DeCoin, who is uh, 10 and 10-0. They squeaked by with a seven-point win in, in round one. They'll play uh, Tolono Unity, who upset, upset I guess, well, when- Willingsville is a quality program, but so is Tolono. Uh, you've got Mount Carmel at eight and one, the four seed going up against the five seed Sullivan, oqua Valley, who was also nine and one. The undefeated two seed Greenville playing up against Olympia. You've got uh, we gotta talk about Roxana here in a minute. They're playing St. Joe Ogden. So again, you've got quality teams here in 3A, and these are fun matchups, too. So um, I just again I'm so impressed with who is left in the North. I think that's where the champ will be from. But these, these matches in the South are pretty good. Yep, I would agree. And yes, so I've been seeing, I've
0: been familiar with Roxana for a few years because their yep. nickname, their nickname is the Shells and their logo is like a Shell gas station logo almost. And I, I feel like I've heard the, the backstory, but I, I don't know it off the top of my head. But either way, yes, Mitch, describe the field and the color scheme and all of it. It, it is very unique.
1: Yeah, so they're red, blue, yellow. Um, they're, I, I am struggling to decide if I like their uniforms or not. It's a lot. It's a lot of color. It's happening. a lot. There's a yeah. lot going on. And if- if we can, you know, if we edit this out for a video and you post a picture and, and can clip one in, I it's it's hard to I don't even want to describe it. Yeah, they're just different. But the field itself, that beautiful home field that they have, they've got that big shell logo. It's it's mainly uh, yellow, and then there's an R uh, in the middle of the shell. It stretches from I'm I'm looking. At I think it it's now. like
0: thirty-five to thirty-five. 30,
1: yeah, the, from the thirty-five to the thirty-five. So thirty yards of of logo it is just massive when you see it on video because there was a, a you got mosque thing uh one of their players uh oh yeah yeah it's a great cat was a cool highlight a cool highlight and the, the logo is very very in the middle of this and so that was the first i'd ever seen their field yeah <laughs> it's like whoa that's hey, something that's great marketing right there you get on espn seeing your logo that
0: big it's perfect yeah all right we have an update according to wikipedia Roxanna High School, the school's mascot is the Shells, okay. named for the former Shell oil refinery that is located in town. So there you go. Hmm. Roxanna Shells. And it's a, yep, a shell based okay. off of the Shell gas station logo. All right. Yep. Good job. Yep. There you go. That's anything else that we need to know? Uh, You know, I think. We're deep diving that logo. I think, I don't know what else we nothing, can possibly yeah, talk about. In class- talk no. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to skip past class 4A. If you want to hear a little bit more about class 4A, we talk about that bracket in the instant reacts podcast, kind of what matchups we see coming down the road. But for tonight, for, t- for this episode, we're going to stick to the matchups we have left. We got two left, two teams in the Western big six. One of those is in class 5A. Maybe one of the games that grabbed, you know, some of the most headlines in round one. And we kind of saw it coming. Sterling got the win over Chicago Payton, 50 to nothing. Mm -hmm. Sterling came into the game, obviously four and five. Chicago Payton was the top seed at nine and oh. And, you know, we talked about it in the instant reacts podcast. We won't really deep dive it here, but that one was over quickly. And that was a you know almost surprising result even in a game we thought would go that way it was even more surprising than what we thought i mean it for a 9 and oh number 1 seed to fall 50 to nothing it was it was surprising was it <laughs> i mean you know
1: what i'm saying was it i it yeah yeah I, yeah i yeah, didn't expect 50 nothing i suppose but yeah it it's one of those things that you didn't expect it but it doesn't surprise you um just based on, two what Sterling did last year against Stem Good. But um, in the same stadium, by the way. Yeah, a um, uh, cool-looking we'll
0: Lane, Lane Stadium, yeah. Lane Tech,
1: yeah. Um, but, yeah, this again, this is, this is a rematch. This is a rematch from week two against Wheaton St. Francis. And just to kind of get into them a little bit here, the Spartans out of the CCL Orange, that is the conference that has IC Catholic Fenwick and Nazareth. So uh, three teams who have won state championships in the last two years. Coach Bob McMillan. They are in their seventeenth appearance here in the playoffs, fifth consecutive. They made it to the semifinals in 4A last year. Uh, They were the 2008 5A state champions. So uh, they beat a team that Sterling is familiar with. They beat Rochelle 45 to 14 in round one. Um, That round two, or sorry, that week two game with Sterling was a Wheaton Saint Francis 42 to 28 victory. Looking at who they've played, Greg, this is a strong (laughs) resume. Yeah. Um, Two losses by a combined six points. Seven of their nine regular season opponents made the playoffs. They beat two defending state champions in the process in Nazareth and IC Catholic. And maybe my favorite name to announce their quarterback, Alessio Miliojevic. He's a ball state commit really, really solid quarterback. Uh, he was a CCL Orange Player of the Year, 2,300 passing yards, 31 total touchdowns in that round one win over Rochelle. He was 20 of 24 for 296 yards and five touchdowns. Um, a lot of playmakers on the Spartan team. Ian Willis, uh, he's a receiver. Tyvon Ransom is a running back. They've also got a linebacker in Dom Breras. They were all, all three of those guys, all four of them, including uh, Milo all first team CCL orange teams. So, um, this, there's no way around it that this, this Wheaton St. Francis team is really, really good. Going back to that week two game, uh, Milio was 16 of 19 for 246 yards. He had four touchdowns in the air and one on the ground. So, and Ian Willis who mentioned he had 198 yards and three scores that night. So look, this is a different Sterling team though. Um, you know, I think we were talking about on the Instagram reacts that in week two, Sterling was still kind of figuring out their quarterback situation. um, And and it's it's even changed since then. Now that Drew Nettleton is, is taking the snaps. So, you know, this is going to be it's going to be a tough matchup for Sterling. There's no question about it, just that the quality of St. Francis and the weapons that they have. But this was a, a 42 to 28 game in week two. But. Wheaton St. Francis scored 28 in the second half. So it wasn't all that. I think it was tied early on in that game. So Sterling showed that they can hang with St. Francis, but they'll have to clean it up a little bit from, I mean, we're talking 10 weeks ago at this point. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I am
0: too. And I think when you look at, you know, this matchup and the, the way Sterling's season has kind of gone here, well, when you look back a month ago or, you know, three weeks ago, whatever it was, and Sterling's season seemed done. It seemed like mm. they you know, playoffs were not an option and they battled through it. They find their way into the playoffs. They grab a win in round 1 and now here they sit hosting a playoff game, you know, in the second round. The opportunity's there, right? I mean, if you're the kids on Sterling, regardless of how it happened, you've played your way into this game and right. now hey, it's one game at home. You know, you play You play all out. You have this amazing opportunity to to pull off a fantastic win and keep moving on to the playoffs. I think considering where you've come from and what you've had to battle through, man, lay it all Mm. out there and see what happens. I think that this Sterling team, you know, they're riding a lot of momentum right now. I think they're a much different team than, like you said, they're a much different team than they were in week two. I think on the other side, though, if we're being honest, this Wheaton St. Francis team might be a much better team than they were in week two as well. So mm-hmm. that's a scary proposition because they they got a lot of playmakers who seem to be really clicking right now.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking back to when Sterling played Quincy. Cause if you remember that was only a two point game that Quincy sealed late. Um, you know, they're going to have to dig deep to play like they did that night. They, they played really, really well at home that night against Quincy. And then, you know, we talked a lot about that Rock Island game and they lost that one, but. You know since then, or at least in three the last four weeks, they've played really well. they played well against Moline, certainly they played well against Peyton so you know I, I i think this is certainly a different team like you like we both talked about. I think having drew nettleton um under center, he's looked really, really good all year that he's played. Andre Claver's been good getting the ball, so you know defensively they're gonna have to tighten things up. Um, which they, they haven't really been exposed too much defensively. It's really been their offense. It hasn't been, it's, it's, that's been the unit that hasn't really been putting up the points, but defensively you got to find a way to slow down Wheaton St. Francis. Cause that's the only way you're going to stay in a game like this.
0: Yeah. And you know, I, I trust, I really like what I've seen over the years in this coaching staff for Sterling. You know, I think that John Schlemmer and the guys he has surrounding him do a great job of putting their kids in the right spots to make plays. And I think, you know, when you're at home, like I said, you got the crowd behind you. It'll be a great atmosphere there and see what you can do. You know, it's it's again, it's a great opportunity to to do
1: something special. It's a great, great place for a, a Saturday. Well, OK, see, it's at it's at five. I, I was going to say it's a great place for a, an afternoon playoff game. Um, now we're now we're kind of getting into the evening a little <laughs> bit. So but either way, Sterling, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I retweeted a video that they put out. I yeah. love that facility. Love that field. So it'll be a great environment.
0: Yeah. Did you
1: play there? I
0: mean, did you play Newman there, I'm assuming, when you yeah. were at Morrison? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a cool place. Yep. So, Mitch, they would potentially play the winner of Morgan Park, the number four seed, a Chicago public league team, which we'll talk about in a minute here, or number five, Sycamore in the quarterfinals.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: expect that it's Sycamore that's going to be moving on in this one. Did you great. see, uh, did you see the retweet? Uh, that we sent out from, um, it was Michael O'Brien from the Sun-Times, the high school sports Mm -hmm. editor there. Yep. The Chicago Public League finished 0-22 against the rest of the state in the first round of the IHSA playoffs and were outscored 1,079 to 163. It's not even six points a game. Morgan, So Morgan Park was one of the two teams that advanced out of the Public League they right. had played they had played a Chicago public league opponent in their right. in their opening round matchup. So right. I don't know. This may be a, a topic for a different time, but it just if I know every year, I mean we see the same thing, but it just really yeah. stands out to me this year, especially because of this Sterling game. How how does this disparity happen? I mean, I think unfortunately, I think a part of it is these schools don't have the support. They don't have the funding for football programs. They don't always have the numbers they should for as big of a school as they are. I just think a lot of issues go into it. And ultimately I feel bad. I don't even want to poke fun at it. Cause I think there's probably a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids trying to do something great. And you know, it's just, it's such an uphill battle for these schools that are in the city of
1: Chicago. Yeah, it's ne- it's never poking fun at the teams, you know. They, uh, I think I said that they're geographically landlocked, um, and that's just the way that the the CPL works. But yeah, th- there's got to be something that that we can do. Not we, I should say, as one's got to figure it <laughs> out in terms of seating that factors those things in. And I, and I don't mean to single out, yeah, those teams. There's just got to be a different way to maybe have these seedings that go beyond playoff wins or go beyond conference champions. But again, that, that's going to affect so many other teams that are not Chicago public league teams. So I don't know what, what the solution is, Yeah, but it's, you know, it's, it seems like it's one thing that everyone can agree on, (laughs) right? We can can have our discussions about one through 32. You can have your discussions about multipliers and private versus public, whatever. But it seems like since, you know, stats like that have come out or even all the results, it's like, boy, when it's when you see it on paper and you see the result the, or the, the record after, you know, all the dust has settled, it's like, man, that something's got to happen here. Yeah. I just don't know what. I don't, I don't I, know how you do it.
0: I don't know the answer either. But, um, I mean, I think, like we've said, I, I, I thought Sterling had a great shot to win this game. But I don't think I – I don't think I – I didn't see 50 to nothing coming just the way they jumped all over them right away. And just, you know, they were clearly a much better
1: team. It surprised me. It It really did. Yeah. It was the same thing against STEM last year. You knew from the first series that that game was going to be a blowout. And it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Didn't. And I'm trying to jog my memory here. Didn't the Chicago public league used to do their own, their own tournament where I almost feel like if they lost, If they lose in the IHSA playoffs, they get back into this, like into a separate
1: tournament. Is that correct? Do you remember? Yeah, they play for like a Chicago Cup or something. Like I know Simeon plays for it usually. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's called, but yeah, they they do something that they that they they play for. I was gonna make I was gonna make a point about Peyton that we talked about in the preview show for that game. Like, that's one of the best public schools in the nation. Yeah, like so again, we're not we're not making light of the situation because it just, it is what it is. These are quality schools. Um, and, and not just, a, a you know, I, I, again, now you're getting into selective enrollment and things like that, but all of the Chicago public league schools have something going on. Right. And it's, it's never a shot against them or, you know, thinking they're a poor team because record wise, they're not, they're beating teams of the same quality that they play against. It's just that when you play outside of that little niche, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to go well.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. I'm sure we could go a long time on that conversation. Maybe we will. Maybe that's an off-season podcast. But um, anyway, Sterling moves on. They'll be hosting Wheaton St. Francis Saturday, 5 o'clock, with a chance to get into the quarterfinals. Let's get into Class 7A. It's Quincy, the number three-seeded Quincy Blue Devils, 10-0, and 0, At number 19 seed, Wheaton North at 7-3. and This game will be Saturday, 2 o'clock, up at Wheaton North. Mitch, I reached out to the Seuss to get some information here on Wheaton Mm -hmm. North, and he hooked us up. He provided us with some great stuff, but I should have checked. You'd already done the research of your own, so. I
1: had it. I know. I had it. Um, well, thank
0: you. Thank you to the Seuss and Mitch, thank you to you as well. Cause you know,
1: we're right. doubly covered here. Yeah. And, and thank you to Wheaton North football players for having active Twitter accounts and sharing your highlights. Cause that oh, feels, there you go. Um, yeah, let's get into it. We we've covered Wheaton North a little bit in the past. They won seven a back in 2021. Uh, They're a four-time state champ overall. This is their 25th appearance. They lost in round two last year, but the Falcons out of the Duquesne conference, Coached by Joe uh, Wardenst, 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 Wardens? Wardens. We'll say it. We'll say Joe wardensk Okay. Um, sure. Beated. Yeah. Uh, be, beated. Jeez. Defeated. <laughs> uh, Whitney Young, another CPL team, thirty-four nothing in the first round. When I look at these two teams, <laughs> they, they are exactly the same. Yeah. Um, this is this Falcon team likes to spread the ball around. Max Houser's their quarterback, 2100, just about 2200 yards passing, 18 touchdowns. He ran for two more. Um, I, boy, I cannot pronounce this, this kid's last name, Matt. Kujaz. I don't know. Um, who's that? Who's that? It, it looks like he should play hockey. Who's that? Um, sure. Um, I'm not going to try and say it again. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's the main target over a thousand yards receiving, uh, eight touchdowns in that regular season. Um, where they where they shine joe barna he's a three-star recruit he plays on defense they put him on the edge they, they move him back to linebacker i mean he's got major d1 offers at the moment staying home committed to uh brett bielema in illinois when i want when i watch their their film on tape um it's not really on tape anymore but yeah <laughs> we're whatever. digital we're digital these days but right. yes go ahead when I wa- when I watch it on the interwebs, yeah, um, there you go. It it doesn't look like their O line is always that great. Um, but but Hauser makes up for it. He's got a quick release and a strong arm, he's got really good feet, he can move, he can throw on the run, and he's got he's got targets that are fast. Um, so stop me if you, you know,
0: haven't yeah. heard that before. Yeah.
1: Against Quincy. Um, but I do think that the Quincy defense will be able to get pressure on him. Um but, again, he has that – Max Hauser, the quarterback, has that ability to make those plays with pressure in his face. So, you know, Rico Clay, all of that Quincy defensive uh, secondary have to be on alert because he can sling it. And, you know, they're, they're going to sling it a lot. That's the other thing. They, they pass a lot. So, again, two teams that I I, I see a lot of similarities in. You're going to see a lot of throwing – uh with, with Brayden little obviously they had such a good game in that that round one win against West Chicago. Ty Hammers had four touchdowns. So I, I expect to see a lot of uh, a lot of throwing yards in this one. I, I don't know what the weather's gonna be like. Um, but it, I, I would say I think just based on what I've seen if the conditions don't allow for for passing I think Quincy has the edge in this game anyway, but Wheaton North doesn't have Jureus Rice. They they don't have somebody who in the running game I don't see that can take a game over the way that Rice can. So I, I sent on the instant reacts on paper just looking at the records. I liked Quincy in this matchup. Um, again, hard, just like we were talking about with Lena Winslow earlier, it's hard to beat Quincy at their own game, and that's exactly what Wheaton North is going to present. And I, I just have been so impressed with Quincy's defense all year. So looking forward to this one, I do think that we could see Quincy. They're certainly playing for their first trip to the quarterfinals in school history. They've got a real good shot at getting there.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at, you know, the dynamic offense they have, and uh, the big, again, the big X factor, I agree, is is Jureas Rice. That That's something that maybe this Wheaton North team doesn't have as well, you know, as well of an established run game as what Quincy can do. Clearly, we know what Quincy can do through the air. There's multiple weapons, you know, Aiden Byquist and Tykel Hammers and uh uh Meadowmeyer and who else? Yeah. Who's the other? uh Hanson is the other name that we yeah, call yeah. out a lot. Yeah. Um, so they could do, you know, Braden Little can spread the ball out that way. I think what really, you nailed it. On the defensive side of the ball, This this is a huge opportunity for, Rico clay, Ty Douglas, those guys on the defensive end to really make a name for themselves against this Wheaton North team, right? If they start passing the ball around, how do we, you know, get in those passing lanes and, you know, kind of try to, you know, stop what they're doing through the air. Rico clay could clearly come up with interceptions and he he's a playmaker on that defensive side of the ball. I think this is an opportunity for those guys to really, you know, really shine.
1: Yeah, I'm um, just trying to see here on Saturday what the forecast is. It uh, looks like 50 in chance of rain. So, again, um, game time was what? Two o'clock? One Two o'clock? o'clock. I'm assuming we're on a turf field. Could be I just making that assumption. So, but Yeah, would assume so. So, yeah, um, it'd be cold. No question about it. So again, maybe that's the X factor. Maybe they have to resort to running the ball a little bit more. And I think that that would give the edge to Quincy if that were the case.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: All right. Well, the winner of that one
0: would go on to play the winner of number six seed Mount Carmel or the number 11 seed Mount prospect in the quarterfinals. Man, it's, you know, it's a who's who here. When you start getting into that bracket, if you're going up against Mount Carmel, man, I want, I want that matchup. I want to see Quincy go up against one of the, you know, the all time big boy programs in IHSA football history, it would be amazing. It'd be great. And I think, I think they would have that game at home. I'd have to look through. Yeah, yeah. It would be
1: awesome. Mount Carmel would have hosted twice. So um, yeah. Going up against uh, Northern Illinois legend, Jordan Lynch there at the helm of Mount Carmel. So, and the defending state champions, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that'd right. be awesome. Yeah. Cause they, They run a long winning streak until they lost to uh, Loyola early this year. So, yeah, again, one game at a time. We'll we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, this is the final game that we talk about. There'll be a lot of action in this one, I think. If the the weather conditions are there, uh, you'll see a lot of passing yards here.
0: Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. This is one game I'll be keeping my eye on for sure. We'll be following along with. Mitch, that, that wraps up our 11-man talk. That's what we got, mm-hmm. you know, looking around the uh, the 11-man brackets. Let's get into some eight-man football before we wrap up this episode. Number one seed St. Thomas Moore goes on the road to the number nine seed Ridgewood Spartans. This game is the one that has been circled for a lot of the people around the eight-man ranks because Ridgewood sits there at that number nine seed but a lot of people are really high on Ridgewood based yep. on the way they've played some of their results. They played Polo really close, maybe should have beaten Polo. And then, um, you know, credit to Polo for gutting that, you're know, gutting that one out and coming away with the win. And also they gave the MBOY their best game of the year. So I think there's a lot of potential here for this, uh, this Ridgewood team to maybe pull an upset over St. Thomas more.
1: Yeah. I got to stop peace. Bumba um, got to yep. stop a lot of good players on that, on that same time as more team but again like you you said it all Ridgewood has been really really good all year um yeah they they could do it there's no question that they that they could pull off the upset here and move on to the uh the semifinals and play either uh MCP or Martinsville
0: yeah so you know when you look at this Ridgewood team we were high on them last year and they played really well but it seems like this is the next stepping stone right like they were just short of having one of those two games this regular season that I think could have been a huge marquee win. Either way, I think they proved themselves in those games, even if they came up a little bit short as a quality you know, contender here. But this mm-hmm. is the game, right? I think this is the opportunity. If you're going to make that statement, this is the game to make that statement win. And I think, you know, looking down the road, there's there's a pathway that they could be playing in Monmouth for a state title game if they continue – you know, to play up to the way they have played up to their potential. Yeah, I think so too. Yep. All right. So the winner of that one would go on to play Milford, Cisna Park or Martinsville. Like you referenced, moving down the bracket a little ways, you have Amboy, the number two seed. They'll be taking on the number seven seed Flanagan, Cornell, Woodland. What else do we say about Flanagan or about um, Amboy? They're the number two. You
1: don't don't say much about Flanagan because, uh, and Amboy has just been so impressive this year. They they I, I assume running clock is a thing in Eight Man. I think it is. They usually have it going in the first quarter. I mean, truthfully, the way that they've been playing, um, it's it's always within reach. So yeah, I I think that they'll win. And then it'll be a really good semifinal matchup against the next, the winner of the next game we're gonna talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you start looking down the way, I just don't think. Flanagan Cornell Woodland has a good record. Obviously, they've won to get here. They're 7-2 and in the regular season. They only lost to St. Thomas Moore 20-17. to So they really, you know, showed really well in that game, played really tough. But throughout the rest of their schedule, I just don't think they've been challenged. They're not playing up to the same competition that Amboy is. And I think mm-hmm. that this Amboy program, what we've seen over the last year, we were really excited about them last year. They, you know, they got all the way to the state champ, or they got all the way to the uh, state title game fell a little bit short, but we all kind of circled like this is the year the Clippers are rolling. They seem poised yep. to get there. Now, if they want to get there, they're going to have to get through. If they win that one, they're going to have to get through the winner of the number three seed Milledgeville missiles or the number six seed, the Polo Marcos. This, can you believe Mitch? This is the first time ever. The Milledgeville and Polo have played each other in a postseason football game.
1: Hmm. Yes, that is that is hard to believe, truthfully.
0: Yeah. So crazy, you know, crazy stat line there. And this game, this might be it's hard to call, but out of the games we cover here in the eight-man ranks, the this one or Ridgewood, St. Thomas Moore are really intriguing. But man, hmm. for the rivalry and the, you know, all the NUIC history that comes out of Milledgeville and Polo. I this is the game that I would that I want to see. You know, I want to keep my eyes on. When you talk about Connor Nye on the on the Millageville side, Brock Solto on the Polo side, a lot of explosive playmakers here.
1: Yeah, Noah Noah Dewey there for for Polo as well. Um yeah, this 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 will be fun if it, it's a game that you could see in a state championship game, right? Um yep, just because of how how good they've been, but you know, the missiles have looked great all year. Connor Nye, Micah Tom Smith. Um, yeah, this is a rematch, right? Milledgeville won 58 to 22. Yeah, they won that, handily. Yeah. 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 In, in that game, um, you had, uh, I'm trying, trying to think, they had 305 rushing yards in that in that game. And you had Soltau and, and Meridian and, and Dewey. So they all played well, but Millsville just kind of took care of business. So they were number two and number three at that time when they played. Um, now what they're ranked, I mean, similarly. Two, I think they're two of the best teams in eight, man, for sure. So they're three seed and the six seed in the playoffs. But, yeah, this will be a lot of fun. Um, and the winner is going to get a fun matchup against Amboy. And I'm assuming that that semifinal is – the unofficial state championship. I think the winner comes out of Amboy, Milledgeville, or Polo. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to not, yeah, it's hard to not think that based on
0: recent history. Um, you know, I think, you know, like I've mentioned, I think Ridgewood people are high on them. They might have something to say mm-hmm. about it. You sure. mentioned, you know, obviously we've talked about Connor Nye, Micah, Tom Smith. Uh, Connor Johnson had a big game in their, um, opening round win, I believe. So he's another weapon for that Milledgeville team to watch out for. But, um, it's a lot of excitement, you know, this, this eight man rank as it plays out and, uh, you know, see who's going to end up playing in that great atmosphere for a state title game in Monmouth, yeah. you know, at Monmouth college. So, yeah, well, Mitch, I think we've covered all of it. I'm not sure if this is, uh, any shorter than our previous episodes, but, uh, you know, we always find time to fill on these podcasts for sure.
1: That's right. Oh, well, there's we always talk about job security. There's plenty of it covering all these teams. So, Yeah, looking forward to all these matchups. Um, We're guaranteed to have some quarterfinalists and semifinalists and eight-man. So, yeah, can't wait to see how these games match up. A lot of them are toss-ups. I don't want to predict, you know, a handful of them just because I I truly don't know how they're going to go. So I'm looking forward to Saturday afternoon and a a full afternoon slate of really good football games.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mitch, we should uh, mention before we go here, I should mention a little programming note. We will not have an Instant Reacts podcast on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I will uh, I will be actually – I'm going to be – I'm going to need your help on Saturday. I'm going to be okay. a little bit out of the loop on the high school action. I will mm. be uh, spending the afternoon in Chicago, actually at Wrigley Field, watching Northwestern and Iowa. I don't know that what I'll time? be watching. What time? what time is that game? It's a 2.30 kickoff. You didn't even – you didn't even have like a punchline for me there. I thought for sure I set that joke up and you were just gonna no,
1: you I mean, you're going to the game. you're going to the game. You're just you're <laughs> suffering enough. Um So, I'll no, be I was I was gonna, I, no, I was going to say I was looking at real quick. I didn't know what time Quincy played at Wheaton. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's at the same it's at the same time.
0: Okay. I'll be I'll be following along. I'll have my phone, you know, in hand and maybe watching a game as we uh, you know, Pre-game or kind of hang out before the game obviously not tailgating in Chicago but we'll find a place to right. hang out for sure before the game yeah, so uh sure. try to find a game to have on but I I'll need to rely on you to to be scouring Twitter and uh, keep keep the people updated it's what they look for Mitch
1: right you got to give the people what they want I've got uh I've got Notre Dame at noon Okay. so you know I'll have a lot of action all going on at that at that one time but uh should should be able to you know, keep my focus in other places. Clemson, Clemson's bad. Ooh, are they bad? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll be, you know, you know me, I'll, I'll be on, I'll be on Twitter. I'll have all the updates for everybody following along. Um, most of the games will be on, I mean, I would say they're on NFHS, but as we've seen teams are kind of <laughs> doing what they want. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. We'll post out some links um, to where we can find or, or some, radio broadcasts i i imagine that wrmj is going to be there at rock ridge and maybe somewhere else but um we'll we'll make sure the coverage is there for everyone who can't make it to the game like yourself
0: there you go all right well i i certainly appreciate it mitch i know the listeners appreciate your hard work so uh to everyone who listens to everyone who follows along thank you very much this is very exciting times i think every week we say this is the best week of the year and i'll i'll just continue to say it because i you know that's what i You know, that's what we believe every week. We feel like it's the best. So continue to follow along. Best of luck to all of our local teams. I hope we're talking about everyone, as many of you as we can be next week. When we break it all down, we'll kind of combine the instant reacts and the, you know, the quarterfinal preview into one big episode. They're all big Mm -hmm. episodes at this point, but we'll have it all there for you. So yeah, Mitch, let's, uh, you know, we'll be in touch. We'll we'll be uh, watching the games as they unfold. Then we'll uh, talk about them next week. Yep. We'll talk to everybody soon. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along, and downloads will come automatically every week. You can follow along on Twitter at View from West Pod. You can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor, viewfromwestpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.